The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am your host, Shane Kelly, and I am joined by my fabulous co-host, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Shane? I am great. I had a beautiful morning. I just ate a pile of piping hot pancakes, and uh, I have retreated to my attic lair where I record our illustrious podcast, and uh, I'm actually pretty excited to talk about this game today because of its lineage and history and because it's such a weird departure. Yeah, so this week we're talking about Reigns Beyond, which is the latest in the Reigns series. I believe we've covered every one of these except probably the Game of Thrones one, which I played a lot of because I'm the only Game of Thrones uh, weirdo on the podcast. But so Reigns, if you haven't played the series, is that game that you swipe left or right to make decisions. It's the Tinder, the video game, as people call it. Um, It has a lot of DNA with uh, interactive fiction, which we all know and love here. But the idea is that you get these cards and you swipe to different sides to uh, make a decision, and then that affects different resources, different things. And so far, every reigns has been medieval-themed. The first one was you were a king, the second one was you are a queen, and the third one is your various Game of Thrones characters trying to keep the throne. This one takes it to space. This is so uh, so weird. I did not know what to expect here. Um, so... Uh- Reigns Beyond. I mean, obviously, from the title, it sounds like we're trying something new. We're going beyond. But I had no expectations of this. I had seen no advertising or marketing for it. So when I launched it and suddenly I was in a spaceship in Reigns, I was somewhat surprised. Yeah, this one is a bit of a... It's funny to call any Reigns game a surprise release because they are... uh, arguably some of the most well-marketed games. It's We're in an era where mobile games don't get necessarily coverage in main uh, game outlet sites, but Reigns always did. Like every version of Reigns always got on Polygon, Verge, everything. Um, this one is an Apple Arcade exclusive, and it came out on November 6th. And I don't think we would have covered it had I not been like, hey, guys, we got to cover the new Reigns game. It is not only a tradition, but it's also kind of... Um, a really interesting sequel. Reigns is by Devolver Digital, the publisher, and Nereal's the developer, both of which are really good at like hype in their games. So to have Reigns Beyond be a silent release in a way, despite being like a really weird evolution of the game, seemed odd to me. So the Reigns franchise, as you were saying, we've played a lot of these. Uh, I was really excited for the first one because it felt really mobile native and innovative uh, when it came out around 2016. But the original Reigns game, like it had this kind of unique interactive model and it was a kind of a weird um, but really effective way to bring interactive fiction um, to mobile, uh, which hasn't been done that well that many times. And there's a lot of space to kind of experiment there, especially with making it into something that's very pick up and play, uh, and lightweight like this reigns her majesty i thought really 
was a big step forward because it it had a lot more to the story and a lot more uh, just kinds of the choices felt a lot more meaningful. If there's one kind of criticism that I threw at the original Reigns game, it's that um, first off, there is a absolute boatload of repetition in the original Reigns. It's somewhat to be expected because, you know, you 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 reign over your country and then eventually your levels of your various meters get out of balance. And if any of them falls to zero, you die and start again as a little baby prince or princess. Mm-hmm. I think in, actually, was it in Reigns where you, was it just a prince? You were just the king? You were just the king. Which is the, the thing that they switched up for the sequel, Reigns Her Majesty, of course. So uh, Yeah, and the first game apparently had... 800 of those little cards and reigns her majesty ended up with 1300 so and this game has 1400 so it's not bigger than reigns her majesty this game it's it's a little bigger but like the the things that i I think they figured out as you play you will periodically get a bunch of new cards added to your deck like you'll get a new character or something and a bunch of cards will fly in so i think that's what they fixed in her majesty is they like added those kind of shuffled in new decks so whenever you unlocked a new character like a magician suddenly you got 20 magician cards added that you didn't have before that makes your it, it's funny to think of this as a deck building game because everyone calls it a decision making game but i always think of something like dominion where once you get a card you can get a bunch of other associated cards like really you're playing reigns to get to the next milestone to get to the next person to get to the next in this game guitar uh-huh. and then a bunch of stuff comes in i mean you're playing it because it just genuinely is fun to make these like quick split second yes or no decisions and then see the wacky results of it. And with, with reigns, the original, they were really playing around with this idea of living for a really long time and having the length of your reign be kind of a high score. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, they they kind of persisted through the others. um, And it kind of feels like that's been uh, put by the wayside uh, with this new game. Yeah. There's a lot – it's a big shift in how the game handles progression. You're not just adding to the possibility space by growing the deck. There are a lot more things that much more obviously persist from uh, one playthrough to the next. Yeah, that is – other than the theming, I think that is the hidden big change here is really that instead of – in previous versions where you die and all of your progression is lost, you start off from day one. Um, there might be, you know, a little bit of carryover. If you were a particularly bad king, maybe they say, like, the peasants are so happy to have a new king that isn't a dictator. Mm. But that's about it. You might get, like, a tiny stat boost at the beginning. In this game, your items persist, and you are a clone. So mm-hmm. you literally are still on your same ship. You have the same passengers. Uh, you are still in the same band. You keep all your guitars. Um, we haven't really talked about this, but the whole premise is that at the beginning of the game, you get woken up by this howl from 2001 type sentient thing, and you pick up a band. And the idea is that you're going to, you know, you don't know anything about the ship you're on. You don't know anything really about where you are, but you are the captain and you have a band and you and your band are going to go from place to place in space and do something you're not clear. Yeah. So the fact that you keep everything you pick up between uh, rounds, including your money, means that you can make risky decisions in this one. And you, if you die, 
there's very little consequence. You just go back to the previous planet. Uh, it's completely different from the other ones in my mind. It is, ex- I mean, it, you almost couldn't have two more different um, premises uh, from being uh, like a reincarnating queen um, to being a, it, like David Bowie's star man. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's pretty out there. Um, it does kind of work. I mean, and it, there's a lot of like sci-fi homages going on here. It's it's really just a like a a, a soup of different like sci-fi pastiche kind of um, mishmash of like different ideas. So one of the things I quite liked is like when you are flying the ship and doing just sort of. Ge- general like space flight kind of stuff everyone changes into their star trek looking outfits uh but when you are uh getting ready to have band practice or do a show everyone changes into their like david bowie lightning bolt outfits it's one of my favorite (laughs) things is you can always look at your ship before you take off from a planet Mm -hmm. and when you're in the uh if you ask questions about navigation or the demographics or, you know, are there pirates in this space? Everyone is in their uniforms. And if you click the button that says band, everyone like quick changes into their outfits <laughs> to talk about mm-hmm. the band. It's, it's all the same people. Um, but it's one of the things that made me laugh every time. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that kind of keys off of that is that the gameplay is very modal in a way that no reigns game previously was because And what I mean by modal is there's a very – there's two or maybe three very distinct – maybe four distinct different ways of interacting with the game. Like one is your typical reigns scenario, and that's the swipe left and right to kind of make key decisions that will keep you alive. And in this, that, that mode is basically when you're flying from planet to planet. And you're going to be interacting with your crew. Uh, You're going to be interacting with your passengers. Sometimes you'll be interacting with other spaceships in where you get into space battles. And those do have that kind of classic reigns repetition to them. Like if you get into a space battle, you'll start to realize like, well, what's the right answer if they are if they're right behind me shooting laser guns at me or whatever, like, do I, mm-hmm. do I evade or do I turn? And and you do kind of start to figure out, okay, well, there's a good result from this. Right. Um, and it's all once again about managing the different meters, which this time, instead of being things like your church likes you, the people like you, uh, the coffers are full, uh, et cetera. It's things like shields, energy system, um, oxygen recyclers, things like that. And health of the crew, yeah. So that's one thing. Uh, but now there's also this, like, land on a planet uh, circumstance where you go down to the planet's surface and then you have, like, between one and four different, like, on-planet activities, one of which is, like, check out your ship, one of which is go to a store and buy things, um, one of which is go to a bar, and the last is play a show. Um, yeah. And not all of these are available at every planet, Uh, And I'll get into each one of those, which each really has its own kind of interaction mode. But then the fourth way of interacting with the game is also like star navigation, where you get to like swipe to choose a path through the the stars. And this is actually a pretty hidden one to me because I, I, at the beginning, when you choose your path, I thought that you kind of were choosing one to be on for the whole 
lifetime. So I didn't realize that every time you take off from a planet, you can spin your screen and choose different directions. It took me probably three deaths before I realized that. Um, but you really can decide where to go if you want to. It's it's a lot more control over your future than I've seen in any mm-hmm. other Reigns game. There's also, I would say, a hidden fifth one, uh, but it's a throwback to the previous, to maybe the Queen's game. Mm-hmm. In When you're inspecting your ship before you take off, you can choose navigation and you can wander around your ship yes. in a maze. And that's something they did in Reigns, uh, Her Majesty, but you could only get there by like inducing a weird dream state. And it almost always ended in you dying if you didn't get the right result. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they stuck this like wandering through the corridors thing. Um, I did, I think, get the right answer in that eventually. Um, but there's no bad outcome. Yeah, I did that a few times and didn't get anything uh, fruitful out of it. So maybe if we do a spoiler break, you could tell me what Yeah, happened. we should do the the spoiler break for that. Um, uh, uh, let's say there's one more thing, one more totally unexpected and unique interaction that they've added to this game, which is playing shows, mm-hmm. um, and which adds this totally e- new interaction method to a game that's always just about yes or no, left or right, A or B. Um, now, when you play a show, it goes into what amounts to kind of a rhythm game where you have a flying guitar uh, that's going through a like a, a a trippy 3D tunnel and collecting hearts. You're still like sliding left and right on the screen, um, but now you're like controlling this guitar, kind of trying to collect these hearts while it, it kind of plays this like little rhythm game for you. It's odd because it's not. I can't give a clear analogy to another rhythm game. It's not like Guitar Hero or Tap mm-hmm. Tap Revenge where you're tapping on the screen. And this one, you keep your hand down and you are trying to fly into different hearts. And there's a track for most of the game and sometimes there's not a track. And almost always you're collecting hearts, mm-hmm. but sometimes there are also bad things you're trying to avoid. Um, it's a very... I do actually really like the songs, yeah. which I think is what this game would live or die on. But every time you get a new guitar, you get a new song. It does mean that early in the game, before you have many guitars, you're going to be replaying the same two tracks quite a lot. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's fun. It's not like I didn't find it terribly hard, certainly with the the levels that I managed to get to. Um, but it it is just nice to like have that as in a story that's about playing music, you know, you, you it, to have this this way to actually like experience that and live it out. You know, it's a it's yeah. it's a it's a story about being a rock band and you know being on the road doing shows. So uh, and then that adds this whole collectible aspect. There, there's always been like collectibles in this game, um, and in fact, a lot of the progression in Reigns has always revolved around. Um, collecting various either items or uh, states, basically, um, which kind of form achievements. But now collecting guitars, it, it's a new kind of collectible. They're like a, a usable collectible because you often get to choose what guitar you're playing slash song you're playing uh, when you're doing a show and things like that. So uh, I, th- I like that. I think that's neat. Um, yeah, they also imply that you artistically can choose what, song is appropriate to the planet um, when you have more guitars and they'll give you a ton more money because you're playing the right 
music mm. for them. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. That's cool. So something else about these concerts that I think is really fun is that it gets you money and you're on a planet where you can spend it. You've got a manager. Like all the things around the band I thought were really fun. Um, I did not necessarily like I, – I want to fire Anton who's like the worst guy on your ship. You realize after a while he might actually have problems, but he also like sniffs pure oxygen and like really is just this – He's the drummer, though, so I kind of was like, of course the drummer is your worst crew member. Like, It it adds this layer to the Star Trek scenario that I think makes a lot more sense because I think it would be not enough with either half. I feel like if it was just a band simulator, like it probably would have to go in like a weird Coke-fueled dream thing that this game has no interest in. And if it were just a uh, Star Trek simulation, like I don't think they wanted to do hard sci-fi. Yeah. I think blending the two together makes me really happy. Yeah, that's a good point. Like it, it it's, it, if it were just one or the other, um, it would be kind of something where you would feel like you know what to expect out of it. But the fact that it's such a weird mishmash means that like, you know, weird stuff is going to happen and you're just going to roll with it, which is very rains, you know, like uh, the, the fact that, you know, a bear shows up in the cargo container and like busts out and basically becomes your friend, part of the crew, um, constantly obsessed with honey, uh, dressed up like Chewbacca. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of weird little things like that. I, I think at one point, a, uh, a weird barnacle thing like attached to my hull, Strombo, the uh, yeah. scholarly mollusk. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he turned out to be like great at fixing the ship. And, you know, so there's a lot of fun little story nuggets in there, which is the other thing about about Reigns. Reigns has always shined, shown. Sure. Twinkled as a um, like a, a little drip feed of fun story moments. And uh, it, it, it's always been great because it can be so surprising. Um, and so making, uh, like a, a complete genre shift is a great way to refresh some of that surprise. And I think they've done a good job with that here. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I was really a little concerned the first time I realized that cloning didn't reset anything. Um, I was worried that like that addict, like that addictive loop of reins was like, how long can I last? And I was worried that the surprise wouldn't keep going if you didn't reset. But I think actually the way this game works, because so much of it is you get to the next milestone, you get to the next planet, you do the next thing and you unlock a lot more that they kind of have to keep your progress because that's the surprise is the next milestone in this version. It's more like, um, I think Shane said to Nate, like this feels kind of FDL ish uh, in a way. Yeah. it, It has a little bit of that. I mean, it's obviously not a, um, well, I mean, maybe you could consider it a roguelike. Uh, not people are people are defining that term just with increasing broadness uh, these days. Uh, but it does it does incorporate uh, runs and and somewhat restarts. Uh, it's not really a roguelike. Uh, what, what it is. Uh, so what is good about it in terms of like comparing it to FTL and why I guess I would make that comparison beyond the kind of science fiction of it. Um, is it's kind of uh, it's kind of about overcoming obstacles by um, like 
remembering the right thing to do and collecting the right mm-hmm. things, I, I guess. You know, you could apply that description to a lot of things. What what it really reminds me of, as a lot of things have been lately, is um, I keep going back to this um, uh, article that Emily Short wrote in like 2015 or 2016 uh, that was called, let me find it really quick here. Sure. The article was called Beyond Branching, Quality-Based, Salience-Based, and Waypoint Narrative Structures. So that, I mean, the, the, the question for, for games is like, you know, you have a, a game like this that is made out of lots of different little pieces of content, right? And in this case, they're little decks of cards, basically. There's like a little card uh, card deck metaphor beyond, behind the scenes. And so how do you decide what pieces of the story to give to your players next. And in your like traditional choose your own adventure structure, you have like a tree that they're basically branching through. Mm -hmm. So a quality based narrative uh, as it was defined here actually is a term that was coined by fail better games uh, who worked on fall in London, right? Mm-hmm. That's feel better, yeah. That's feel better, uh, which makes a lot of sense comparing it to Fall in London because Fall in London is very much a quality based, uh, and in 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 quality based narratives, um, they are the storylets or little storylines are unlocked by having different qualities, and those qualities, I mean, you know, Fall in London a lot better than I do, but are mm-hmm. there? There's some things that is an attribute of your character, like you are dangerous uh, and you have a certain level of dangerous, I guess, is the, the way they handle it. Um, yes. And sometimes those qualities are things like, do you have this thing? Like, uh, I, I guess, like a, a, a flask of laudanum or uh, <laughs> or whatever. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it's all – Fallen London is – a really complex system where you have personal attributes, you can grow over time, you can have pets, you can have comfort, home comforts, you can have clubs you're part of. There's a million mm-hmm. different parts of your character you grow, and that's how you unlike you unlock different things you can do. So currently, for an example, I'm trying to um, build a railroad to hell. And I am on pause for a little bit because I need to have perfumed gunpowder to create more tracks. So I'm, that's not necessarily an attribute, but I'm now shadowy enough to do the crime to get the gunpowder. So it's a really intricate system here. Um, in this game, it's a little bit different though. It's like you meet a character and you make the right decision and that unlocks a point. Like there's little gates in this game. The, um, so uh, there are, there are elements, I think in a lot of games like Reigns, there, there's going to be some elements of those quality based narratives. I think the way they're handling that is mainly things like the collectibles, um, and the passengers and things like that. There are little storylets that you're only going to unlock, um, based on that. And one of the great things that Reigns does is it really telegraphs when you have unlocked something like this. Like you pick up a passenger and you see cards visually being added to the deck to let you know, like there, there is new content that you are going to hit as you progress. So, and then on top of that, they also have, um, in fact, sometimes within each of those things, they have those little choose your own adventure style branching structures, which are kind of the little 
atom of a of a story that that they're bringing out there. Um, yeah, one example that I found really interesting um, in previous versions of Reigns, you would get these kind of choke points, uh, especially in Reigns, Her Majesty, where you needed to make a decision, and it was kind of telegraphed in advance, like on year 500, you need to do something. And it felt like if you missed that, you never had a chance again. And this one, because of the cloning aspect, for example, um, there's a moment where the mollusk, like, you can basically conduct a weird ritual with the mollusk. I'm trying to talk around spoilers. And I thought I chose wrong and messed that up. Um, I died and later, like two lives later, I got another chance because that kind of didn't happen because I died. So mm-hmm. you can, it seems more forgiving in these kind of narrative storylets than previous editions of the game it's still going to make you wait a while before you get that decision again. But it seemed like these big decision moments weren't be all end all like they were in previous games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the other term I remember that uh, and I'm referencing back to the article just now that um, Emily short kind of coined in this article, which I think kind of applies more to, I was trying to rem- a lot of the reason I was looking this up I was trying to remember this term is salience based narrative which is a term that is where the narratives that it picks a bit of content out of a large pool, depending on which content element is judged to be most applicable at the moment. Um, and so like quality-based narratives, that approach is um, agnostic to what kind of information matters. Uh, it can be pretty much anything. It can be like what pops to the top of the deck of cards it could be what items you have. It could be what you've seen versus what you haven't seen. Anything that the system knows about like what is currently going on in the game world. Um, and so so I, I wonder if this would fall maybe more under that kind of a category of like the, that, that randomized element or um, how they're sort – they're probably not purely randomizing here. They're probably sorting things to the top based on – some kind of criteria. So I I think maybe it falls under that kind of heading. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with what you've done on this run. So I I do think like, for example, the I would be shocked if there weren't decks for on the ship and decks for on the ground, like there's decks for talking to, you know, different people you've talked to, like, I think some of the what you do before you go out might affect the deck. Like if you look at your ship and you talk to different people, perhaps those conversations influence the next run and those people show up more. I I feel like there's a lot of under the hood tweaking they've done. Um, I know it's not purely random, but I will say in credit to the game, I am not thinking about, I'm guessing at those systems because that's part of playing any deck building game, but I don't know for sure. And it, I know enough to know it's not random and it feels fair and it feels like I have some control, but I can't see the knobs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the trick in these kind of games. Like once I see the knobs and I know if I talk to this person in three rounds, then I'm going to get this card. It's fun in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not thinking about the narrative. I, I think that mostly, you know, when this game still feels fresh, I feel like, I've had this conversation. I'm more likely to have this kind of conversation again. Feels good. I don't want to know. I've had this conversation seven cards later. 
I will trigger a space battle. Like yeah. I don't want that level of control over a game or I don't want to know about it. The, 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 the fact that you brought up like, you know, what you're talking about with the NPCs, um, that, that kind of brings up that third, the third kind of way of building these narratives that mm-hmm. Emily Short wrote about in the article, which is pretty much just around conversation, but she calls it waypoint narrative. And what she means there is um, that uh, both the players and the NPCs in the game are able to kind of change the conversation topic, which I think is definitely true here. Uh, mm-hmm. You can say you are making those yes or no changes, but probably even much more so the the game is having random conversations start at you uh, by the various people on the ship at, at almost all the time. And then particular lines of dialogue are not associated with like the conversation topics themselves, but they're transitions from one topic to another. So the NPC uh, has like a way of changing the subject um, and like certain certain discussion points will change the subject to something else. And, and that is the way you kind of branch out and broaden out the overall like kind of conversation space in the game, which I think that kind of applies here, too, because so much of Reigns is about having um, yes or no questions put to you by NPCs. Like I would say that's probably the most common interaction in the game is NPC comes in and says something crazy uh, and I like take the little swiper. And I swipe a little bit to the left and I see a dumb response and I swipe a little to the right. And I see a dumb response and I just have to pick one. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, the cl- the obvious collectibles and I think the progress meter in this game is the guitars. Like mm-hmm. the more guitars you get, I think that is your like your completion meter of the game. But I think to me, the more interesting collectible in this has always been the characters. So you can see. Um, what deaths you've gotten, and you can see what characters you've unlocked. And this game says there are 60 different characters you can meet. Um, and every time you meet them, like new stuff comes in your deck, uh, you get new options. Those characters may be dangerous, but you can generally turn them to be your friends, a la Undertale. And I, I think to me, I would make stupid decisions to try to befriend characters I shouldn't by any stretch of the imagination, let on my ship. But I was like, oh, I should definitely open this crate because I might make friends with this bear. <laughs> and it's that kind of dumb decisions that I really like making in this game. It's the kind <laughs> of game where you will, 20 times, Anton will show up and will be like, I've been sniffing oxygen for the tank straight. And 20 times or 19 times, you're going to say, Anton, you idiot, stop doing that. You're going to kill us all. And one time you're like, eh, this run isn't going very well anyway. Let me join in because <laughs> I <laughs> yes. want to know what happens. <laughs> yeah. But like you know, 19 out of 20 times, you're going to be like, of course, I'm not going to sniff pure oxygen from the tank. Like that, that's a bad thing to do. And after a few times, you're like, maybe I'll join him. You know, that you make a good point about like, I think that like le- lends itself to the, uh, the, the the nicest thing about Reigns is in a lot of like choice based interactive fiction you're constantly left wondering what if um and the the fact that reigns has such a large amount of repetition in it and you're going to you're going to see these choices again in like probably yeah at least half of these choices you're probably gonna gonna see again um you will have the opportunity to, to scratch that curiosity itch and see 
you know, what would have happened if I had turned left instead of right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really nice. And, um, I, I think this is it, the thing that doesn't make sense to me now. The most about this games is like, no one is raining over anything, but, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> why is it called ra- like your captain? But they also were like, we might mutiny at any point. So yeah, the other thing that got me is that feels super different is I, maybe I just was better at the game, but like, I think I capped it in previous Reigns games. If you get all the way to the bottom of a meter or all the way to the top, you die instantly. And in this game, it seemed like I got pretty close to the top on a couple of things and I didn't just immediately like crash the ship. No. So it feels more forgiving and maybe there's not really a consequence for being at a hundred percent like there were before. Yeah. Um, but I, I also don't think so. There's also, I think, a little bit of a cushion at the bottom of the meters when when you get them all the way down, like the the, mm-hmm. the control panel starts to explode in classic science fiction uh, spaceship design style. Um, but you have like a, a little bit of time to pull it back. It feels like. Yeah, it used to be like insta death mm-hmm. in rains, like all previous versions of death of rain. You're right. Death, I yes. also did not hit any deaths by having any of the meters overfilled. And that kind of makes sense. Like, I don't know what a death by having your oxygen recycler work too well looks like. It's probably not pleasant, but I I don't know. Um, It it felt very forgiving. It it didn't feel like off brand, but it definitely had a different feeling because I I never, I, I think the hardest part for me when I got good at reins was not triggering, you know, the peasant's, throw you a party and everyone gets too drunk and you die getting stampeded. Yeah. Like that's, that's the kind of death that you get when you're good at reigns. And I didn't trigger that here. Here's the thing in, in all the previous reigns games, every decision has a small, but meaningful impact on the meters. And so every decision has a little bit of precarity to it, right? The first time mm-hmm. you make any decision you don't know like exactly what direction it's going to push which of your meters, um, except you can kind of make a little bit of an assumption based on reading it. Like, you know, should we give money to the church? You can assume the church is going to go up and money is going to go down. Um, here, um, there are a lot of different scenarios that you're in, and a lot of them are a lot less precarious. And the choices you're mm-hmm. making are, are, are not really not going to lead to um, a negative impact on any of your meters. In fact, the meters just vanish from the screen for, for sections of this game. So um, that's a big difference. And it's also just like your average, you know, space flight while you're kind of cruising through space is, seems like it's a lot less likely to result in you dying. It really is concentrating that risk into these specific scenarios. Like when you get into a, like a space fight with some, but like a, another spaceship or something like that. And in those yeah, scenarios, like the, the risk goes way up and uh, the events repeat a lot more. Like you'll see the same, like, you know, piloting maneuver discussions and things like that happening. And, and like, should we go to evasive maneuvering and, you know, Oh, there's an asteroid field over there. Should we go try to fly through it and try and shake them off? And you'll see those kinds of interactions seem like they repeat a whole lot more. Um, because it's just sort of of a concentrated scenario space, I guess. And that's pretty different. Um, I, I, I will say my complaint about those is I died 
almost every time I died, I died in one of those like space combat scenarios. And the, it was not as clear to me, like what the, uh, risks and like benefits of the different choices were as it was in, uh, base reigns, which, which means it was very obscure. Like in, in, in reigns, those choices could be obscure, uh, here, like I would think, okay, I'm, I'm choosing the thing that means like dodging. So it probably means the spaceship's not going to shoot me here. Oh, they shoot me every time. So, uh, that, that was a little weird. Yeah. You're like dodge takes your power up. And I thought dodge is going to take it down. Like there's that kind of thing. I, I think to me, the, most of the deaths that happened were because of, you know, it felt like RNG, like, but not in the way that like you just randomly die more like, someone called you and you didn't handle that call well. Like a lot of the extra events were how I died. Um, Because you can generally not like, again, if you're not just sniffing pure oxygen and everyone dies of asphyxiation, like you can control that death. But, you know, sometimes people will call you and if you don't handle the call well, you will just immediately die. Um, One time, you know, I think there's a lot of things that sound very risky happening on your ship and some of them are extremely risky and some are normal and it is hard to tell the difference. I think that is arguably a good thing. But since you keep all your stuff and you just go back to the previous planet, it's not too bad. Um, I think later in the game, I started taking longer trips and not stopping on planets as often. And I I have a feeling the longer you go between planets, the more random stuff is going to happen. The more people hail you, the more pirates come up. So if you're feeling like the game is getting stale, like perhaps swing your navigation to a longer trip um, because those, from what I could see, like I had more interesting runs with more interesting encounters the longer I went between planets. So let's... um let's wrap this up by considering some of our favorite moments or maybe just favorite things, uh, from the game. And I'll, I can start us off. Uh, my, my favorite thing is a reference to one of my favorite games we have ever covered for this show. Um, I found a paperclip in one of the stores and, uh, the, did you just buy everything? Every oh, time just buy everything every time, that's, which honestly that's what you do. I like that a lot in this game because you have plenty of money to buy. Like, you know, rice and paper clips and tungsten and uh, gold and like piles of meat or whatever that happened to pop up in the um, in the store. Uh, like, why why not just let me buy everything? Let me live my rock star dream. Um, of course. But um, there was one time where I found a, a thirty six dollar paper clip uh, in the <laughs> in the store, uh, and the description on it says the remnants of an alien race which turned every piece of matter they encountered into paperclips, which is, of course, a reference to Universal Paperclips, one of my favorite pieces of um, of one of my favorite games we've covered for this show. If you guys have not um, played that or, or learned about it, uh, you could go check out our episode about it. You could just Google it. Uh, I don't know if it's the first thing that comes up on Google because there's actually a brand of paperclips called Universal, um, but uh, it, it is... Um, it is a great game and it's, 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 I I think a mind blowing example of like the, like the things that you can do with like something really stripped down, like the clicker genre. So, uh, universal paperclips, uh, having a, having a little Easter egg for that was really delightful. Yes. And were you able to use that paperclip? No, I wanted to, I can't wait to find the place to use the paperclip. How do you use the paperclip? 
Uh, so skip ahead a minute if you really don't want any spoilers. Uh, but the there's a moment where you get into uh, like a like an almost an asteroid field of of bent metal, and uh, you can add your paperclip to the pile. Like it's clearly if you read between the lines, they're paperclips, and you can like offer your paperclip to it. And when you do so, like all of it like forms a crystalline structure that's like thank you (laughs) like Like, it's a really great like it's as if you entered a sector where everything was turned into paper clips and they're going to turn your ship into paper clips and you can just i imagine just holding your little paper clip out and they're like and like suddenly everything resonates in harmony and then moves on it's it's very it felt very good every time i used an item correctly it felt good um, that's a hard thing to pull off. Um, there is the random list. You get scenarios where you're like, I don't know what to give them this. Um, but using the paperclip was one of my favorite moments. Um, I'll also say like, I felt awesome when I unlocked the black market and I won't tell you how to do it. But the first time I went into a black market and got to buy all the stuff there, I got really excited because it's clear that like there's some maybe crafting mechanics later on. Like the way you get guitars here seems to be a lot of different ways. Some are just discovering Easter eggs. Some are just like moving in. But I I think based on stuff I buy in the black market, I'm going to be able to craft a guitar. And I'm really excited to do that in the future. Sweet. Things I hated. Why is Elon Musk on my ship? I want Elon Musk off my ship. Um, I do not want to be dealing with Elon Musk, Vented. but I somehow got him on my ship, and I'm very annoyed about it. And Musk I can't is sus. find a way to kill him. <laughs> Elon Musk. Oh. <laughs> um, but he does say the waves of dysentery will flood the galaxy and a new era of fragrant peace will ensue. And you can say, pretty sure you mean descent. <laughs> <laughs> the waves of dysentery. Okay. Um, oh. So I, I don't want. I, I was really like, it's so hard to get me on the side of the conglomerate in any of these games. I'm always pro rebels, but once I found the head of the rebels was basically Elon Musk, I have done a hard turn. <laughs> now I'm like, screw your rebellion. It's all about piracy now. How do I kill this guy? I have not figured out how to kill him yet. I want to boot him in the airlock. I wish you and luck. And I can't. And that's all I want to do is murder my passenger. And I can't. Give me that card. <laughs> Get him off my ship. Well, Laura, uh, let's, since we have a little time remaining with the end of our episode here, uh, we have a segment. Listeners, you know us. We love to talk about the things that are making us happy. Um, and... I I certainly have something that's making me happy this week. Uh, Laura, do you have something making you happy this week? I do. And it is something I have recommended in the past, but now it's easily accessible. So I am overjoyed that I am able to recommend Taskmaster and people in the United States can actually watch it. So at some point in the last couple of quarantine months, um, the Taskmaster YouTube channel has put almost all of the previous seasons on their YouTube channel. Really? Yes. Laura so recommended Task- Taskmaster to us before. Um, by us, I mean my wife and I, and we have uh-huh. binged a lot of it. Um, and Through means. Yes. But now you don't need means. You can just legally go on YouTube and watch it. And you um, should. 
And you really should. So Taskmaster is um, – so it's a British panel show. And what that means to people in the U.S. who don't know what that that sequence of words means is um, – there's a culture where comedians just go from show to show being funny in the UK, and there's some late game show element to it. Taskmaster actually front loads that. So the idea is you are given, everybody is given the same task, and it might be something as easy as, or somewhat straightforward as, you know, make the best snowman, but it is July and you have 30 minutes, and people have to figure out what. Do you think a snowman is? What supplies do you need? Make something. Um, it might be draw a horse while riding a horse. Um, it all kinds of weird things. Um, it is the it is extremely notable because in the U.S. we tend to put normal people on game shows. Normal <laughs> people are a tenth as funny as comedians who think they're smart being extraordinarily stupid. <laughs> And there's nothing better than a person whose job it is to be smart and witty, just seemingly unable to turn a cardboard box into a, you know, anything or like trying to run over a sculpture with a bulldozer. All kinds of outlandish stuff happens on the show. The comedians are great. You're going to end up with um, a bunch of new favorites from the British comedy scene, which you have no reason to know. But I, I sent one clip to a friend to sell her on it. And she was like, who is this weird ginger man? Why is everyone doing quick change outfits? She was like, I want to watch hours of this. Mm-hmm. You will be a convert very quick. Taskmaster on YouTube. I am so happy to actually recommend it on the show. Because before you had to like go to weird Reddit sites to find it. And um, now you can just watch it for free legally. Yes, finally, finally, a ethical way to watch the Taskmaster. Um, and Wonderful. honestly, it was I gotta say, going to be uh, on the CW, and it, it didn't work mm, out. Yeah, it really does uh, walk a beautifully straight line between like uh, just for laughs, making people do dumb stuff kind of tasks, and like actual challenge and like tricks. The, it, it, there's there's a little bit of a mix of all of that in the DNA of the show. One of my favorite things about Taskmaster is that you have just as little time to think about how you would solve the problem as they do. Because you hear the task, and generally they hear the task and immediately must begin it. Um, sometimes there is a planning stage, but it is a show that I often pause with my husband and we're like, okay, quick, what is the first thing you do? Like, because it is all about instantaneous decisions, which is why I love it because it's smart people who get panicked and make dumb decisions. And you know, like you love to be like, in this situation, I would know that you don't like, you know, one example, get rid of this watermelon. You have two minutes and there's a watermelon (laughs) on the table. Get rid of as much of this watermelon. And everyone is like, I will stuff it down my pants. <laughs> like I, but like, you're like, what What would you do? And you're like, I don't know. Stuff it down my pants. I can't think of anything else. You hit play, true to form, two people do that immediately. It, it's that instant reward of like, your brain has to work as fast as they do if you want to quote, play along. And people are weird. Like I do UX research and I always have to remember like, people are going to surprise you. Every episode of Taskmaster, I'm surprised. So <laughs> if you if you do professional research, maybe watch an episode of the show and realize you are really not the user and people are strange. <laughs> Some of these, I remember I remember one of them that I, 
I was trying to think of was just very, very funny to watch. And it was uh, having them um, make a bed to hotel standards while holding hands. So it was like two people yes. trying to make a bed <laughs> together, but they had to hold hands the whole time. That was that was funny. And the time ended when they would get into bed together. It was it's, it's smart, stupid. Like it I is. love the smart, stupid show where you get to like it's a very intelligent show, but also you get all that like America's Hum- funniest home videos type stuff. Where there's just nonsense happening on screen. Absolutely, it's pure id. Enjoy. Yes, and it doesn't hurt that the people actually playing are truly hilarious and often very inventive in ways to cheat. Oh, yeah. Cheating is a huge part of the game, and but cheating that you will not get penalized for is the name of the game. How about you, Shane? I've now watched oh, the Sonic two. about Taskmaster for things. 10 minutes. So <laughs> you wasted so much of our time, and now I don't know if I can get to both of my wonderful happy things. Do um, both so, of them. So I will start with um, a... Uh, shout out to someone who has done something that really just made me feel so, so happy. Um, Mark Bramhill is a friend of the show um, and a a personal friend and a a podcast buddy. And he has a new show that started up um, not that long ago. I think he's had like about five or six episodes. And these are very short episodes, about seven to 10 minutes, I believe. And, um, the show is called Enthusiast. You can find it at enthusiastpodcast.com. And this is a show uh, where Mark just interviews people about things that they love. Um, so it is the the ultimate making me happy podcast. Um, and he talks to people about just things that they like. And he's done episodes on everything from astrology to fish sauce to apples um, and now he has ha- an episode in which he interviewed me. So the wonderful thing about this for me is, well, I have, I have never been like interviewed by an actual interviewer, um, and then had my, um, had my, my words edited in such a way that I came off as sounding intelligent, which I finally do. I finally get a window into what I would sound like if I, uh, if I spoke in complete sentences. <laughs> Thank you to Reagan, who routinely makes us sound smart. On yes, Re- Reagan does. Uh, but but Mark has done an amazing job. Uh, Mark interviewed me about my love of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and he actually also interviewed Reagan about vintage electronics and vintage uh, game hardware. So uh, he managed to do a cute little twin brother double feature uh, with the two of us, two episodes. Um, and they make a really nice kind of back to back. Um, I'll tell you something that to me was really great about this is, um, you know, there, uh, I I've said it before, uh, but listeners, there is a pandemic on if you're hearing the news from me for the first time, uh, please seek alternate sources uh, of information about current events. But, um, the pandemic has sh- essentially shut down my Dungeons and Dragons playing. Um, about two weeks ago, I started playing again, um, carefully with, you know, sensible precautions, uh, out of doors. Um, and I'm returning to the game after about seven months and to, to be able to hear this recording of myself talking about why I love the game really 
recharged my motivation tank uh, for for this for that, and I'm, I, it makes me so happy to be able to get back to it. And so I want to say a big thank you to Mark um, and. For you listeners, Reagan and Mark and I have been talking about ways that we might share some of these episodes in our feed. So you may be watching out for that. At the very least, I think we'll get those out uh, on our Discord, but um, you may hit the main feed uh, or something here on the short game. So, yeah, and a hearty thumbs up to all of those episodes. I. In, I was not sure because I have heard both Reagan and Shane talk about these topics. I was not sure what I was going to get when I listened to them, but they're both really delightful. Um, you know, Shane recaps beautifully one of our like notorious sessions from a while back, and it, it, it made me feel really good about that. But I, I thought you when you brought up the pandemic, the that you were going to go with like the I miss meeting random people and hearing what they're into. I am not really an extrovert, but I love listening to people talk about what they're hype about and get a little glimpse into like I went to a an outdoor party and had someone talk about like Viking historical novels for 20 minutes and it was probably the best thing that's happened in weeks. I do love that. Um, and this is what that is. And and Mark takes hours and hours of conversation and boils them down to 7 minutes of that perfect happenstance meeting where you you mentioned fish sauce to somebody and they're like, I am super into fish sauce. Here's seven minutes about why you should care. And it feels great. It, it feels like that happenstance meeting that just doesn't happen right now. So I, those two episodes are wonderful. The whole feed is. So mm-hmm. definitely, I, I don't want to step on you making what's making you happy, Shane, but I will say it also made me very happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and I, I think it's just a good... S- it, it part of it is a great show because it's very clear that Mark knows some very interesting people. So yes, um, and I I'm very happy to be counted among that number. I'll add one more thing that's making me happy this week because I like to throw in something from the world of games, and also because Reagan is not on the show. And usually, when Reagan is not on the show, uh, well, Reagan when Reagan is on the show, um, he will stop me from talking about Magic the Gathering too much. Um, <laughs> So uh, I would like to celebrate the release of a new set that I'm super excited about called Commander Legends. Uh, My favorite way to play Magic is Commander. It's a multiplayer, uh, very social format of the game where people play with big, insane decks full of crazy spells. And when people play Commander they're playing like some of the biggest decks, the the splashiest cards from throughout the entire history of the game. My other great love is of drafting, uh, which is where you pass packs around and, and take cards as a group and then build decks and then play one, play one against the other. So this is two great tastes that taste great together. Uh, this is the chocolate in my peanut butter of Magic the Gathering. Having draft in which you actually draft and build a commander deck is insanely good. And I will say this is actually probably, I mean, maybe not the very best. Uh, It's not designed for brand new players, but if you're even a little bit inclined towards magic, this is a really fantastic uh, set to check out. Uh, The cards are phenomenal. Um, The format is insane. Um, And I will just say that, uh, so I, I got a chance to draft it with some friends. Uh, Once again, I am, I am playing, uh, in person, but out of doors, masked, and with all sensible precautions in place, uh, as I would encourage everyone to do. Um, 
But uh, if you have if you have a safe way to do this, uh, and I, I think it's also on Magic Online if you play that way, um, drafting and playing Magic uh, with Commander Legends is totally phenomenal. I drafted a deck that was green black elves, um, and this is a deck that could have could it was a draft deck that could have hung with some of the most some of my most powerful commander decks that I've ever built, um, and some of the things that happened in these games were just absolutely insane. Just like the The emergent gameplay is choice. It is, it is truly choice. Um, And this set has doubled the number of legendary creatures in magic, which is absolutely insane. They, this is so full of like incredible legendary creatures that you could use as your commander for commander decks. Um, And that's all I'll say because I know Reagan is going to edit this down to me saying like five words in which I say, Hey, magic is good. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah, those of you who are out there and who are interested in, in, in magic should definitely have an eye on commander legends. It only takes like four players to do a draft pod of it. And, and then you can turn right around and play uh, a sweet, sweet four player game. That's going to really be a different experience and a lot more social and fun. So totally recommend it. Wonderful. And that's it for us for this week. Thank you for joining me, Laura. Uh, this has been, as always, I, I find it uh, interesting when I am doing the intro and outro because I do it so rarely. Reagan is so dedicated and such an excellent podcaster that I almost never have this duty fall to me. But um, if I can remember how to do the outro, I think Reagan says something like this. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find us online at theshortgame.net where you can find our back catalog of episodes and you can search for games like Universal Paperclips. You can also find each of us on Twitter. Um, The show is on Twitter at underscore short game because someone stole our handle before we could get there. I am on Twitter at 8BitShane. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And if you play Fall in London, I'm just Laura Nash there because I didn't know that was going to be a public name. <laughs> there you but, go. Uh, yeah, if you play, I am happy to be your friend. I am a person of some importance and can help you with social actions. So Yes, she is a person of some importance uh, I am. in... In Fallen London and in the real world. Oh, thank you. Other people of some great importance can be found on our Patreon. Um, the people who support this show on the Patreon help make it possible. Those of you who are supporters there, any of whom, many of whom are giving just a dollar a month, um, the the money that you send helps contribute greatly. At, for example, it has recently helped Laura to upgrade the audio quality from her audio setup, uh, which I am told by Reagan uh, has reduced his editing time by approximately one hour a week, uh, reducing... Which is astonishing, and I yes, feel Yes, why didn't you say anything, Reagan? We would, have, we would have tried to fix the audio <laughs> sooner. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's also worth mentioning that everyone who uh, donates to our Patreon gives, gets access to our Discord, which is where we plan episodes, where we discuss what's going on in our games. We And we have uh, probably my favorite thing there is the Making Me Happy This Week channel where uh, good vibes only are, are brought to the table and mm-hmm. uh, shared and, you know, uh, 
you should you should tell us what's making you happy. So, anything I'm missing? Nope, that's it. That's it. Well, thank you for listening to the short game and have a short week. <laughs>